this is not for you, right? You, if you don't love it, you're going to beat your head against the table so many times throughout the process and encounter so many difficult people, you'll give up and you'll quit, right? It's not an easy business whatsoever. For me, it's incredibly rewarding because I love the fact that I can take an empty piece of land, envision something, work with a great team, and then a year later, there's a building there. Perfect. What's up, everybody? It's Jamel Gibbs. Welcome to another podcast episode. This is the Business and Investing Podcast, where you learn all things business and investing related. Today, we're going to talk about a topic that I'm pretty new to myself. In fact, our special guest that we have on the line right now is the guy who introduced me to this particular method. And it's slightly different than what you've ever heard before. And when I say different, I mean different. How about creating your own inventory so you're eliminating your competition? Literally, creating your own inventory. There's nothing like it out there. Uh, I know you've heard of new construction builds and things like that. But generally, when you hear about new construction, what do you normally think? The builder is going to build the house and is eventually going to sell the house. Now, in addition to that, you've heard of, because I've, I've taught it to you on this channel, you've heard of buying a house, rehabbing a house, renting a house, refinancing a house, right? They call it the BRRRR strategy. How about combining new construction with the BRRRR method, but instead you're going to build the property and you're going to keep the property long-term. So you're building and holding on to properties for passive income. And I had uh, breakfast with our special guest today. Um, uh, I had, what was it, about a week ago or so? It's last week, yeah. Last week, we had yeah. breakfast together, sitting down and talking. I reached out to him probably a little over a month ago. And I said, look, man, I love what you're doing. I want to be able to uh, tap into your brain a little bit to see how you're doing these new construction projects with the end goal of holding on to these properties. And then I said, Hey, why don't we do a podcast? And uh, he, uh, he said, let's do it, man. And uh, here we are today. So not only are we going to do this podcast, in addition to that, I want to make a trip out to Richmond, Virginia, and uh, maybe we'll do a video on that. If you guys want to see that video, make sure you uh, leave a comment in the comment section. Let us know, Hey, Jamel, I want to see what Daniel is up to and uh, we'll take it from there. Daniel Clayman, what's up, brother? What's up, man? Feels man. like I was just sitting across the table from you. I guess that was almost yesterday. So yeah, you were. Yeah. <laughs> you know, one thing I forgot while we were uh, having breakfast, man, I forgot to take a picture so that we could, uh, you know, they could see we're best buds, man. That's all right. We'll do. We'll 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 do when you come to town. I'll 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 show you some of the stuff we're working on. For so. sure, man. I'm definitely gonna reach out to you and plan that out, man, so that we could do it the right way and. Uh, looking forward to that, man. But listen, why don't you tell everybody a little bit about yourself, man? Sure. So, so my, my, my name is Daniel Clayman, uh, Daniel, Daniel. I, I grew up in Russia, so I, I, I go by either. Um, yeah, I'm, 
I'm a Russian immigrant. I came here when I was 12 years old, came here with my family where we were refugees. And, you know, my, my background is in corporate America. I had a finance job uh, after college in New York and uh, 2008 happened and uh, everything crashed. I got laid off and I decided at that point that, you know what, I just don't think I want a job anymore. And I moved back to Virginia and I started, you know, really what I started doing was Burr, which is what you were just talking about, Jamal. I, you know, I, I did some wholesaling, I did some fix and flips, but my, my interest in real estate always from day one was in cash flow. I think a lot of people, including those listening to your podcast, come into the real estate space uh, attracted by the checks. They're attracted yep. by the flip checks, by the wholesale checks. And those are nice checks. I I got into this business, even in the beginning, with the intention of just building up that monthly nut. I just wanted to, you know, when I came away from my corporate job, I said, what, what, what do I need to do to, and I worked 70, 80 hours a week at this corporate job. You know, I was a young guy, I was climbing up the ladder. And then I realized that you keep climbing up the ladder and then there is like, somebody just puts a kibosh on that because through no fault of your own company crashes, economy crashes, like it's out of your hands. And, and, and that was an important lesson for me because I, I, I realized that no, as long as you're working for somebody else, no matter how good of a job you do, no matter how, how well you play the game, how well you play politics, you, you, your, your fate is always in somebody else's hands. So, so that's kind of what drove me into entrepreneurship is I said, you know what, next time I fail, if I fail, I'd at least like to have ownership over that failure. If I fail again, just like I think, you know, essentially I was 28. I had no job. No, no my, my career was then in its tracks. I said, next time I'm going to fail, at least I can say it was my fault. And, you know, it's on me. So, so I got into real estate saying, how can I replicate? How can I replace my corporate income um, with passive with, with assets, with cash flow, with repeatable, recurring, predictable monthly cash flow. And, and I think passive is a bit of a mis- misnomer because we I have an in-house property management company. I have people that work for me and we manage our asset portfolio very actively. But now I'm at a stage where it's fairly passive for me on the management side because I have people working for me. But you know, when you're starting out, it's, it's not passive. When you're at five, 10 doors, you're probably managing it yourself. If you're not managing it yourself, I think you should you should to learn how the business is done. Um, so I was never even really interested in passive. I just wanted to say, how can I how can I build up a portfolio of assets that works for me while I sleep that brings me the same kind of income that my corporate job brought. And so that's kind of what, what drove me into real estate. And I started buying a house at a time back in 2009. I, uh, you know, I'm in Richmond, Virginia in a downtown market where all of our housing stock is over a hundred years old. So I cut my teeth for the first five, six years, buying a house at a time, doing, taking it down to the studs. I mean, you get in there and you get a demo crew. First thing you do is you get a demo crew in there, get a couple of 30 yard dumpsters in the back or out in the street and they go to town and in two days they rip that house apart, got it down to the studs and then you rebuild it. Right. And 
a lot of stuff I did, you know, these were historic renovations. We, I got to restore a lot of old houses that have been neglected for decades and decades. And that was incredibly rewarding, it, you know, it, to build a rental portfolio, gutting a house at a time, or sometimes we would gut two houses at a time. While it may be rewarding to restore properties, it's also a very slow and painful way to build a portfolio. Plus, but when, that, mm-hmm. I, I was going to say, plus, when you when you gut out these houses, you really don't know what's behind the wall. So it could cost you more money at the end of the day as well. You know, we pro- <laughs> I had a stretch of about 20 houses where I did not have a single one without termite damage. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> you know how, I mean, we're in the South. Yeah. I did not. I had I I did not have a single house without termite damage. So you're 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 ripping everything out, and then you're you know sistering joists. You're replacing your sistering studs. You're you know mm-hmm. I had houses that were crooked that we had to try to you know to do to to jack up and 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 try to you know make it make them less crooked. I had houses where we had to tear off entire roofs. I had houses where we had to reinforce literally the entire footers because the houses were built with bricks in dirt and still standing a hundred years later, which is incredible to me. So it was a great way to learn the business because I learned it one house at a time. And I learned, uh, I learned it the hard way. I learned how to troubleshoot a very diverse set of situations when it comes to restoring properties, but it, Again, it, not scalable. It's hard. It's not predictable. The timeline is not predictable because, like you said, you open up the walls, you don't really know what you're going to get. Um, yeah. In my case, almost every time it was mold and termites. It's like the, you know, yeah, every single stretch, time. Man. 20 houses in, a, in, in, in during the course of a stretch, man, that's crazy. That could cost you a lot of money, man. So I know you've done some wholesaling before as well, man. Um, mm-hmm. How do you, how do you, now I look at wholesaling as transactional funds basically like it's active income right and you said you got into the business for passive income cash flow which is exactly what every person wants to get into real estate for right Mm -hmm. and um but they get distracted not saying that wholesaling is bad but most of us got into real estate so that we can create we can replace our income right Mm -hmm. so you you started you know building uh you started doing a burst strategy how did you make that transition into the build and hold aspect of it all? You know, a, a lot of it was just market timing. You, back back in 2009, 2010, all the way through 2013, you were able to go and buy REOs and, and buy properties off market and you would buy them below replacement cost. Mm. So if I can buy a house already, I can buy the land and an existing house, even if I have to gut it. And if I can buy it for $50,000, but it may cost me $70,000 to replace it. If I had to build that structure from scratch, footers, foundation, framing, roof, then it doesn't make sense to do new construction. You keep buying those rehabs because the numbers just make way, make way more sense. That's also why you, you didn't see a ton of construction happening you know, between that stretch of 2008, I would say to 2013, even 2014, not, nobody was really doing new construction because you were able to buy existing inventory below replacement cost. Right. But as the market got better, those opportunities became more competitive. Meanwhile, as I was buying these houses, a single family lot would pop up here. 
a vacant lot will pop up there on the same block and you could pick them up for nothing five seven ten grand and i started getting to the point where luckily i had some patient money right and i was able to start picking up a lot here picking up a lot there and and hang on to them for a little bit and around 2015 i i got to the point where you know i i got kind of tired of doing renovations and i said let me let me try my hand in new construction. I was always interested in development. And I think when my original vision of development was development, you know, big projects, big buildings. Um, I never really thought of development on a small scale, but that's how I got into it. I said, look, I, I have these rental properties in this block and I have this vacant lot on the same block. Let me, let me put a duplex there. I, I got some plans from, you know, from, 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 from an architect that, you know, it was already kind of almost ready to go. I didn't really do it the right way. Initially, there was an architect that I knew I was like, here, let me just see if I can make these plans work in this lot. And I had experience already as a general contractor because I was overseeing these gut renovations, but new construction was a new animal because you have to clear the lot. You have to run new utilities to the lot. You have to dig, you know, footers and foundations. And that was completely new to me. And to me, that was exciting too, because, you know, this, the real, this is a business where, whether, especially development, you, you never stop learning, right? Like I've been doing this for 12 plus years and every day I'm learning something new. And that was part of what attracted me to this business. So when I started looking at how do I build this duplex? There was a lot there that I had no idea how to do. So I called up a friend of mine who was also a general contractor. And, and I said, listen, you've done, you've built lots of houses in the past. I don't need you to do this whole project for me, but can I hire you to just get me out of the ground? Can I, can I, can you, can you come on this project and I will pay you X percent of cost or a flat fee, you can structure it lots of different ways and just get me out of the ground. Come come and scrape the slot, come and dig footers, help me pour the footers, help me lay the foundation. And when we get to the stage where I can hand the plans off to a framer, I'm good from there, right? It's predictable, it's easy. Once the foundation is there or the concrete slab is poured and we go vertical, I'm comfortable there, I'm familiar with it, yeah. Now, now in my business, years later, I no longer GC anything because it's not scalable. I have GCs that do everything for me. So you actually but, went out and got a GC license in order to make this happen at first or? Actually, no, because gotcha. I because these were all my properties. I was the owner. I didn't need a GC license to right. apply for permits. So right. I, I was a GC uh, without a license and gotcha. I still am, right? Gotcha. I haven't had really time or opportunity to get licensed or, or the need. And now I hire, I wanted to do it myself and learn as much as I can. And the first, you know, first couple of duplexes, first four unit I built, first six unit I built, I, I GC'd them myself because I wanted to learn everything I could. So just for but, clarification, those of you listening to this podcast, you don't have to go out and get a GC license. You don't have to become a general contractor to do this. Well, so you don't, but I would, I would, I would add the caveat of it depends on your local county or jurisdiction whether you can get permitted yourself to 
to build or renovate your own properties or whether you still need the GC. It varies, right? They right. just so happen that here, because it's my property, I could apply for building permits without, without being licensed. But um, where you are, you may need to hire a GC. That's right. You don't need to be a GC yourself, right? And I know. So for here in North Carolina, you need anything over $30,000, you're going to need uh, permits and a general contractor. Anything okay. under, you could, you don't, you could use subcontractors, no problem. So, like so, you said, it, it is uh, jurisdictional. Yeah, and if you and and for your first project, even if you have to hire a general contractor, shadow them, learn as much as you can, right? Yeah. Learn, learn, learn everything you can about the process, because there is no way you will be able to evaluate. Um, how well a project is done or the quality of the work or the bits that you're getting without, without knowing as much as you possibly can. That's right. Um, and as your business grows, even if you are a general contractor, it's not scalable for you to oversee projects yourself. So you're either going to grow out your own, own general contracting firm and hire in-house project managers, or you're going to hire third-party GCs to do everything for you, which, which is what I'm doing. I've, I've looked at, bringing it in-house and kind of vertically integrating, but I, I've chosen not to do that so far. I, I'm allergic to overhead. And so instead I just, if I have a project, I hire a GC, I pay them a fee. Um, and if I don't have any projects then I will have that overhead to carry. Yeah. Let me ask so, you this, man. So obviously going from having a structure that you can improve upon versus no structure. And like you said, you, you had your friend, you were comfortable at a certain stage. What type mm -hmm. of mindset shift did that take? That's where I struggled at when I first started my first new construction project. Uh, we're talking six, seven years ago. Yeah. I struggled with understanding, okay, what can I put on this plot of land? What will fit the bill here? How can I value this stuff? Like I, mm -hmm. all of that are you know, all of these are questions that people will have. So what type of mindset shift did it take for you to go from, okay, here's an existing structure to I'm going to build, I'm going to add a structure on this plot of land. Like how, how did that transition happen? So it starts with understanding zoning and 99.9% .9 of rehabbers don't understand zoning. So it starts with learning your local zoning codes. As soon as you understand zoning, and it's not rocket science, nor is it secret. If you go walk into your local county office or if you go to their website, you can pull up their zoning handbook. And, you know, where I am, they had a much simple, sim a very simplified version of that handbook that really very clearly broke down. You are in R5. This is what you can do. So, so, so your zoning code will tell you you're in X zoning classification again so for example r5 residential dash five and in, in this zoning you need to have a minimum of five thousand square i'm just using rough numbers in this zoning and and zoning is different across counties right so they're not the same in this zoning you need in order for you to be able to build a single family house here so first of all they're going to say in this zoning these are the allowed uses and anything that's not allowed, it doesn't matter how big of a piece of land you have, you can't build it. So it's going to say, okay, R5 zoning, you can build single family detached and you can build single family attached and multi, you know, and two family 
detached, which means you can build single family or you can build duplexes. And then it's going to say in order to build a single family detached, a standalone single family house, you need a minimum of 5,000 square feet. The lot has to be 30 feet wide. You know, you need setbacks. So your house has to be uh, at most 15 feet from, from the front yard. You need three feet on the sides or five. It's going to give you all of these guidelines. And it starts there. It starts with understanding I have this piece of land and by right, the zoning allows me to build this, this, or this. The second part of it is knowing what you can do to modify what's allowed to build by right. Can they go get a variance and build a three-story house instead of a two-story house? Can they can they go get a zoning variance? Can they get a special use permit? Can I? Uh, is there an avenue within my county, and it's going to differ county by county? Is there an avenue here where I can change the zoning for this particular piece of land? And that's kind of the next level because then you figure out ways in which through more work and more time and some more investment, because now you're paying architects and maybe zoning consultants, but you may be able to increase the density mm -hmm. of what you can build on that piece of land. And what happens when you increase the density? Typically you increase the value. So that's kind of next level thinking, but at the very basic level, it starts with simply understanding this is a piece of land that's zoned X. And based on the zoning, this is what I can do with it. And from there, you can determine value of that land as is. Gotcha. You can determine the after, call it after repair value of, you know, you're going to look at a piece of land. You're going to say, by zoning, I can build a 2,000 square foot house here. 2,000 square foot houses sell for $400,000. So I'm going to take $400,000, back out my cost to build back out all my fees, back out my desired equity. That gets me to the maximum value that I can place on land. It's very simple, actually. Simple, simple, man. And I, I know we had a conversation a couple of weeks ago and you mentioned uh, something about the area is important as well. So especially when you're building duplexes and things like that, uh, you're looking for areas that can be gentrifying areas, areas that are on its way up but not it, there yet. It, it doesn't, look, it doesn't have to be. I, I, I happen to have started a building majority of my portfolio in an area that's um, seen tremendous positive upswing in the last 10 years. Uh, I attribute 20% of it to uh, being able to see the future and 80% of it to absolute sheer luck. Gotcha. Um, but at the end of the day, where you build, it doesn't have to be in a gentrifying area. It, it needs to be somewhere where the numbers work. The it numbers needs to be some. Work. It needs to be somewhere where the market rents will justify your construction costs and your cost of land. Yeah, At the end of the day, it comes down to, to fairly basic math. Now, if it happens that you're also in a path of progress, if it, that means that you can probably buy that land cheaper, right? And your property will appreciate faster than the overall market because you're in the path of progress. You can call it area of gentrification, whatever you want to yeah. call it. Right. So being in an area that's going to see more growth than the overall market, a is helpful because you will build wealth faster, but at, at the very 
basic level, you need to be building somewhere where the numbers make sense. And the numbers make sense because the market rents are high enough to where you can pay 50 for the land, pay 50 to build, and you'll get 1200 in rent. Just again, as purely as an example, right? It just, I, love, I love the fact that you even bump your rent up above market because your properties would justify it. You know, so you kind of make your mark, your rents, the new normal for the area. You know what we, I mean? We, we, we push the rents for, for two reasons. One, I build the nicest product on the block, period. End of story. Like people are building and selling houses and for sale products. Sometimes it's not as nice as my for rent product. Um, I'm very passionate about, and this is one of the reasons why I like new construction because it's, let's put it this way. If you just want to make a lot of money quickly, real estate development, there's far quicker ways to make a lot of money than yeah. real estate development. It, it's, it takes work. It takes capital. It's a phenomenal way to build the rental portfolio. It's a phenomenal way to build long-term wealth. But if you're just in it for the money, right? You, if you don't love it, you're going to beat your head against the table so many times throughout the process and encounter so many difficult people, you'll give up and you'll quit, right? It's not an easy business whatsoever. For me, it's incredibly rewarding because I love the fact that I can take an empty piece of land, envision something, work with a great team. And then a year later, there's a building there and yeah. it's a great quality product. We pay tremendous attention to details, design, floor plans, construction, the finishes, the quality of the finishes. And then I have in-house property management company for a reason, because we do a much more hands-on job with our properties than any third-party property manager would. So to me, I'm incredibly passionate about building a really, really great quality product and then managing the daylight side of it so that our tenants like truly love where they come home to. And yes, that allows us to charge more rent than almost anybody else on the block or in the area um, because we have the best product, period. End of story. You know, and, you know what's, so, what's so dope about what, what, what you're doing, man? And I was talking to uh, Jason Lucchese, good friend of both of ours. And he said when he went to go see you, he said you guys were like walking down a block. You were walking to a restaurant. Everybody knew who you were. You owned the property. <laughs> you built the property there. It's like you were like the mayor of the uh, area. I don't man. know about that. <laughs> that's just that's just so dope to me, man. And that's uh, you know, for you to be able to build communities in that way, and uh, mm -hmm. whether you're the mayor or not, you are the mayor in the area. You put the the, the structure there for these businesses to have you know, that, that type of business or people to be able to live where they live. I just think that that's fantastic, man. And well, that's thank you. I, that's what I'm aspiring to do myself, man. But, you know, to get to that point, what type of obstacles did it take for you to be able to, to, to get started and to be able to build up? Obviously you're doing a lot nowadays, but what obstacles did you face along the way? Yeah. Look, I mean, there's all kinds of obstacles right now. Construction costs right now are, are, are a big obstacle. Labor is a huge obstacle, finding good contractors. I, I think when you're starting out, um, you know, it's a capital intensive business. You need, mm -hmm. you, need, you need some cash, right? This is a development, whether it's small scale development or especially large scale development is not something where you can get 
started for no money down and you know no cash no credit like that's not yeah that's the wrong that's the wrong game for that yeah you can you can bring on partners if you if you don't have capital but you have the time and the knowledge start small don't start bringing on investors when you don't know what the hell you're doing right learn but you can bring on partners to put up the capital you can you can bring on equity partners you can find private money there's all kinds of ways to get in the game if you don't necessarily have a lot of cash but then you'd better learn how to raise that money um and uh but i mean look there, there are all kinds it's it's there are all kinds of obstacles right i mean yeah. where we are getting permitted is a nightmare right now i mean you you submit permits and they go into a black hole and then you have to you have to beg and plead just to and follow up and threaten and and yeah you know, just to get your permits approved within six months used to take 30 days. Um, There's all kinds of obstacles, right? The, the reason why I'm willing to put up with all the crap and there's a lot of crap. Again, I can just list it for an hour. It's not an easy (laughs) business, right? Um, It's because it's a tremendous wealth building vehicle. And because these assets that I have that are now, you know, you just, you, you work so hard to get this building up and we're doing everything from duplexes now to hundred plus unit apartment complexes. You, you work, first of all, you buy the land and before you ever put the shovel into the ground, especially if it's a commercial project, it's a year. You, you, you draw up architectural plans, civil storm, MEPs, structural, you work with a team, then you go through a plan of development review, then then the building permit. Before you ever put shovels in the dirt, it's at least yeah. a year. And then you spend 18 months building this thing. I mean, it's you, you can get pregnant and have a baby three times by the time a building is up from when you buy the land. I mean, it's a lot of work, but I'm willing to put up with all of that because one, again, I truly love it and I find it rewarding to be able to you know, they say like developers build, we build monuments to ourselves. And maybe to some degree, that's true. Like, I find it rewarding to be able to go and say, this wasn't here before. Now it's here and it's going to impact how thousands of people are going to live over the course of the next 70, 80, 100 years, if I built it correctly. And because it's also a vehicle for me to then, you know, you work hard, work hard, and then that building starts paying you. Every month, every you know, month, and for 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 generations, if yep. we keep it in our family, it's going to pay us. And and the impact on your balance sheet, the wealth oh, that oh that it has over time is just unbelievable. We we did the math. So I'll here. I've got my calculator here. I've got this 130 unit project that we're going taken through permitting now and construction costs are so high that, you know, initially it's probably going to generate, I'm, I'm going to leave a bunch of cash in the deal and it's going to generate maybe like an 8% cash on cash return year one, once it's fully stabilized. It's not that amazing, but that's healthy. If I can get an 8%, if I have to leave money in the deal and I have to generate, it's going to generate 8% cash on cash return year one, that's fine. It's not sexy. Right. Again, like you're not going to find me with like a late night infomercial saying you can do this, you know, and earn 8% return. It's incredible. It's 
if that's a passable deal, but on top of that 8%, you have appreciation, depreciation, and amortization. But here's the math, right? 130 units. A year after we build it, I'm going to raise rents by $50 a door. Per year? Per month. Per Right? Okay. So, so that's an increase. So if you take 130, I don't know if you normally do math in your podcast. You got me. I'm a weird Russian. We're going, do math. <laughs> We're going to do math today, bro. 130 doors, right? Times. And if you're listening to this, get your calculator out. Let's do this math together. 130 doors times $50 a month times 12 months. That's $78,000 a year that your cash flow just went up just in that one building. And if you use a valuation method of, of a 5% market cap, and if you don't know what that means, look it up. My net worth just went up by one and a half million dollars. I raise rents on that one building by 50, 50 bucks a month. Per unit. My net worth just went up a million and a half dollars. It's an oversimplification because normally as my rents grow, my property taxes increase a little bit, my insurance goes up, right? So it's an oversimplification, but roughly, right? As a simplistic example. Now, how often raise, are you raising rents though? Every year. Every year. So you raise it $50 every year. I, I don't know. So, uh, it depends. We've, okay, had a ton of, we've had a ton of inflation over the last yeah. 12 months. So we're raising rents in a lot of our units by more than $50. Wow. But just look at that on a compounding basis, right? I have, let's say I have a couple of these buildings and over the course of 10 years, I raise rents 50 bucks a year. What, what just happened? Like I have to work so hard not to be worth tens and tens and tens and tens of millions of dollars in 10, 15, 20 years. Like I, yeah. I have to actively try to sabotage myself to not achieve that <laughs> level of what, just think about it. Right. And you know, what's so good about this. You, and, and I love the fact that you said it, most people want to start big because they see some of the, uh, you know, some of the, um, the big name investors out there and them doing big things and flying around in private jets and all this other stuff. Right. But here's the deal, man. You said start small. And the reason you started small, a lot of your stuff is in-house, man. Like you don't take on a lot of external capital, man. To, to I don't. Well, I, I'm different. I don't actually at all. I love it. I don't. I, I have some some silent 50-50 partners and some deals that are buddies of mine, but I'm not out there raising capital. Right. And, and if I were, and I, I may start in a couple of years, but I'm going to be going into it already with a track record and I will feel confident taking on other people's money yeah. because I, I have experience under my belt. I see people getting into the game and raising money for deal one. It's like, dude, you don't know what you're you doing. You're, what you're just, you're, it's irresponsible. You're yep. so playing with somebody's retirement man. money. I, I love the fact that you, you do this with a lot of your own capital, man. And then you get to name these streets in these neighborhoods. <laughs> I, I know you got Daniel Street and Clayman Street. And, working on that. Yeah. You know? <laughs> but working on you know, that. overall, man, this is just a good play for everybody looking to get started in the build and hold aspect of it. Uh, one thing I learned from, from, from Daniel was, you know, when you buy the land, that basically plays as your skin in the game. So when you go to a lender, now you have uh -huh. some skin in the game because you own the land. They'll give you the money to build, right? 
Um, mm-hmm. Why don't we provide our listeners with a step-by-step process, let's say three to five steps to getting started on their first uh, new construction project that they're going to look to hold? Well, so, I mean, first of all, get good at finding deals, right? You're going to need to find land. Now you can find land a number of different ways. You can do direct to seller marketing like we do for single family houses. You can buy from wholesale. I love buying from wholesalers. I would much rather deal directly with wholesalers and have them bring me uh, deals on a silver platter rather than uh, having to market directly to sellers myself. Mm. Uh, I, I've bought land before at uh, tax auctions. I've bought land before uh, from you know private off-market transactions where people just know that I'm looking for land or I'm building and, and deals show up at my door. Um, get creative, get good at identifying opportunities. So that's one, you're gonna need to find a piece of land. Step two is again, understand zoning, learn zoning. It's not super complicated, but there's no way that you'll be able to properly value a piece of land or know what you can build on it without having some understanding of zoning. Um, Step three, you need to build a team, right? So who should be on your team? A good architect, local. I highly recommend local architects, people, reach out to me all the time that see my content online or see pictures of my projects from across the country. And they say, can I, can I buy your plans or can I hire your architect? And I always tell them the same thing. You should have a local architect that understands your local zoning, your local building codes, your local architectural styles, your local construction methods. You'll be far better off if you're working with somebody good that's local and you'll pay them a lot less than hiring some out of town guy, right? So there's a bunch of other people you need on your team and your architect can, can help you with that, right? I mean, you need surveyors. If you're doing anything uh, that's more than a single family, you're gonna need civil engineers, structural. Um, if you're just building small residential pro- projects, you won't need that, but you'll need um, surveyors, right? And then you need a good general contractor if you're not a contractor yourself. So having a team is essential. If you find a piece of land, you understand zoning, you under, let's say you can build a single family rental on that piece of land. You turn over to an architect, they will work on the plans. You then have a set of plans that you can use for bidding. And you can go and you can bring, you can give it to a couple of general contractors. If you're GCing it yourself, then start talking to subcontractors and put a budget together. Start small, you know, um, find people that know what you don't know and offer them money. That's, it's a great way to get help is oh, yeah. op- offer people money in exchange for their time and their expertise. And uh, you'll, you'll, you'll build a great team and, and use that team to supplement the holes in your knowledge and then ask the people in your team as many questions as will be tolerated without getting slapped. <laughs> so we got find the deals you go to wholesalers look for land obviously understand zoning step number two and then build your team step number three and again that's that's oversimplification yes, you, right. you need to identify your target market again you don't just want to willy-nilly build everywhere right you need to build look around if right now as we are recording this podcast if you drive around an area and there is no new construction happening there, 
it's probably for a reason, gotcha. right? If you're if you're in an area right now, it's 2021, the market is hot. If you're driving around and there's just no new construction site anywhere, it's probably for a very good reason, right? So you obviously want to identify your target market before you can start identifying land opportunities. Right. That's incredibly important. So absolutely, absolutely, man. So that's your three-step process, guys. Definitely take those and um, do your research. You know, start taking action with it. Find the deals, understand zoning, start building your team. Then everything else will flow right after that. Now, and, listen, uh-huh. and, and I'll, I'll also say this, right? Once you control the land, you you can get creative, bring it to another developer and say, look, I've got this piece of land. I don't want to sell it. It's, it's an attractive piece of land. Um, but I, I, I want to learn this business. Do you want a JV? Get creative, right? Figure out what you have and what you lack. The real estate is all about being creative. Um, and in situations where it makes sense, collaborating with people. Right. And it's very simple. These are my strengths. These are my resources. This is what I lack. Let me go find people who lack or who have what I lack and put the two and two together. That's exactly what I did on my first new construction, single family home. I didn't know anything about building. So I had the money to buy the land. I bought the land. I said, look, I don't know what to do. I partnered with a general contractor who said nice. I know exactly what to do. And then we made some money together, man. So that, that's awesome. Creative, you and, know? And, 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 I, and I would just uh, urge caution uh, in terms of partners, right? Vet people. Um, I am a huge fan of... Uh, one night stands rather than marriages, meaning yep. I am much more likely to get into a partnership where we're flipping and we have a clear exit timeline yep. than long-term buy and hold partnerships because things sour over time, situations yep. change. Um, so I'm much less likely to get into a, a long-term partnership. But even if you are getting into a partnership where you are building a product that you're going to keep, Maybe you can figure out a exit for that partner. Hey, we're gonna build this, then we're gonna refinance this. I'm gonna I'm gonna pay you a nice chunk of cash and take you out of the deal. Again, that's the beauty of real estate is there's really no rules other than do what you say you're going to do, treat people well, keep your promises, don't screw people over. Real estate is a small, small. I don't care if you're in New York City, real estate community is small. Yep. So keep your word, you know, pay people, pay your contractors, pay your partners. Uh, but you can get so incredibly creative when it comes to deal structuring. It's, it's sky's the limit. Absolutely, man. Now, look, there's a ton of other things that you guys will definitely want to know. Daniil has a video up on YouTube, which I'm going to link in the description box. Matter of fact, I'm going to link it up. If you're watching this on YouTube, I'm going to link it in a, in a, cards up top for you guys as well very detailed this is the video daniel sent to me a few weeks ago and said watch this video i'm going to make sure i link that but in addition to that you're going to want to know your numbers right and uh daniel has a software uh called rehab evaluator i'm going to make sure i link that in the description box of the podcast as well and i'm going to be honest with you guys not only is this for new construction this is for uh uh, buy and hold as well. In fact, I just priced out, remember that 24 unit 
apartment complex that you guys saw a video on, a water damaged uh, apartment complex. I use that um, rehab valuator software to price that entire thing out to send the packet over to my buyers and my lenders. Nice. Right. So this software is incredible. I'm going to recommend it. Definitely use it. And in the description box, uh, there's going to be a link in there for you. But in addition to that, how can our listeners get in contact with you otherwise, man? So I would say that video that you mentioned, definitely watch that because that's like an hour long video where I go everything much, much deeper into step-by-step process of, of building uh, duplexes specifically, which is kind of like my bread and butter. I love building duplexes. Yeah. And um, there's a free version of Rehab Valuator that you can subscribe to, which is it's, it's totally free unless you do all the deal analysis. Um, we, you know, wholesalers use it, rehabbers, builders, ground up developers, every level from single family. We're using it right now to uh, evaluate and raise capital for our 130 unit project and the 200 unit project that I have coming up right behind that. So, um, and when you subscribe, it's just rehabvalue.com. You can subscribe to, to um, or maybe you'll link to it below. So you can yeah. get a free version of the software there. And then if you, you just want to email me directly, it's D-A-N-I-I-L at rehabvaluator.com. And if you have questions, you know, I, I typically try to respond to everybody if I can. So just don't just don't blow him up too much <laughs> because uh he's de- definitely yeah. a big busy, busy guy. But I'll definitely reach out if you have questions. I'm going to encourage you guys to do that. But out of this entire conversation, I'm telling you guys, if you don't take anything away from it, be sure to watch that video. You're going to get a a lot clearer on what it's going to take to build and hold. Again, eliminate your competition by creating your own inventory. But in addition to that, Make sure you check out that software because it's, it's, it's just going to make life a lot easier for you uh, in the long run. Uh, you don't have to think. You just punch in some numbers. Uh, and at the end of the day, you'll be able to. It's a pretty cut and dry software. Not hard yeah. to figure out at all. But um, what were you going to say? No, I just we make it. We try to make it easy for you. Yeah, man. You know, very, very easy, man. I, I didn't have to watch an instruction video and I just was able to figure, <laughs> it, figure it out within two minutes how to how to use it. That's what it's all about. But um, obviously, in order to be successful, and I, and I know this to be true because you, you told me this the other day, but it takes understanding. It, it takes uh, learning and a lot of reading. Right. So what are you currently reading, if anything, man? Hmm. It's a good question. What am I reading? I've, I'm, I'm in the middle of like three books right now. Um, I'm reading a, a book about wealth management. It's not, not, not a bad book. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just got done reading this, which I'm, I'm a fan of all his work. I don't know if you've read. He wrote um, the original Anti-fragile. book. Anti-fragile. Yeah, but the book that he's well known for is um, not Fooled by Randomness, but uh, Black Swan. Black Swan. Black Swan. Yeah. So, so I, I have, I just got through his entire collection. And it's, it's, um, it's, it's, it's worth reading. Um, there is a really fun real estate book that I read recently called Bubble in the Sun. And it's about the Florida real estate boom of 1920s. Fascinating because it, it, it breaks down essentially how Florida was developed from 
almost nothing but swampland back in the 1870s mm. and how it became what 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 it is now it was essentially developed by four or five developers uh, over the course of about 40 years between 1870 wow. and 1920 and it leads into the huge land speculation boom in florida of 1920s and how that led into the great depression really fascinating story and it kind of follows these these four larger than life characters these developers that built florida from nothing and then some of them went bust and some of them didn't but it's really fun fun read and i had no idea that florida before 1870s was literally Swamp. Just, just a giant, giant piece of swamp. It's I didn't know that either. I didn't know. Yeah. That. You know, here's a couple of books, and I'm gonna link all of them in a the description for you guys. Again, um, when I was sitting down having breakfast with Daniel the other day, uh, he mentioned the Rockefeller method. He mentioned a book called Entrusted. Yep. Another one we we discussed because we were talking about um, family banking and things like that. In fact, I got a a guest that's gonna come up and talk about family banking. Mm-hmm. on this podcast stay tuned for that but it's called family value at risk another one is die with zero and then fam- read up read up on family offices this was a um a recommendation from daniel the other day as well i'm going to link all that in the description box for you guys so that you can uh be sure to continue your education with this stuff education doesn't stop but more important than education is action when you guys start taking action that's where the real magic happens. Things start to open up for you because you're not just sitting on your butt doing nothing all day long, right? That's but, uh, true. Hey, man, if you had to provide our listeners with any last words of advice, what would those words be? Uh, I, I would say, and it, it may be cliche at this point, but like go deep. Whatever it is that you do, become... Treat it as much as you can as a craft. Whatever it is you're doing, like try to learn the ins and outs and become become known for that. Right. I'm I'm seeing a, a whole lot of opportunity seeking these days and shiny object chasing and you know that's not who gets wealthy, right? Find find whatever it is you choose to do, whether it's this or, or something else, just educate yourself, go, go, go deep, right? We, we have enough people right now going wide and doing 10 second TikTok videos. And like, that's not where it's at. That's, you know, I, it scares me, man. Like we're becoming a generation of Instagram 15 second reel watchers. Yeah. A lot of you are getting your, all your news and information and knowledge from there. And that should scare the Jesus out of all of us. Right. That's mm-hmm. not, that's not where it's at. Um, I can tell you read a ton, Jamel. I, I read, I try to, I try to read a book a week. That doesn't always happen. Uh, life gets in the way, but like, I, I, I love what I do. I love this business because we, there's always an opportunity to learn and that uh, not just directly what we're doing, but like you said, I mean, you and I had a conversation last week about breakfast, uh, breakfast about wealth management and creating trusts and whole life insurance and family banking. And there's all, there's, there's so many levels to this game. And just when you think you kind of have reached 
where you want to be, you find out there's another level. Yep. And you think you're doing well, you think you know what you're doing with your money. There's a whole other level. And there's levels to this, man. There's a lot of levels to this. I mean, it's it's I'm not there yet. You're not there yet. And that's nope. okay. Like it'd be boring if we were already there. Like, where do you go? So I mean, you know, there's always something new to learn. There's always a way to level up. So uh, but it happens by going deep. It doesn't happen by going after seven different things at once. Love it. Love so, it, man. Couldn't have said it better myself. Go deep. Focus on one thing. Go deep. Don't try everything because you never, you'll never be great at everything, but you can be yep. great at one thing. Focus, focus, focus. Put the blinders on and uh, you'll yeah. eventually reach your destination. Love it, Absolutely. man. It's been a real pleasure having you, brother. I'm looking forward to seeing you in a few weeks, man. Uh, yeah, we'll shoot that video. Uh, let us know in the comment section if you want us to shoot a more in-depth video showing some of what Daniel has going on in Richmond, Virginia. Um, based off of your comments, I'm going to ask certain questions and, and you know, let me know what you want to see. And then we'll, I love it, man. We'll create that for you guys. But we're here to help you. Make sure you check out all of the links in the description. Check out Rehab Valuator. Make sure you check out that video. I'm telling you, you're going to love it. It's like having a home study course, but he's not charging you anything for it. It is on YouTube. I'm going to make sure I link it all into the uh, description box and the cards and the show notes and everything for you guys so you have access to it. And listen, we're here to support you, to help you grow your business from where you are right now to where you want to go. And the only way to do that is by providing you with top-notch education but also with you getting out there and taking massive action in order to get massive results. Listen, we'll see you guys on the next one. Peace. Check out my website at reieducationacademy.com. To make it easy, you can just simply go to jamelgibbs.com or check out my YouTube page at youtube.com forward slash Jamel Gibbs. I'm all over the web, whether it be on Facebook slash the Jamel Gibbs or on Instagram at Jamel Gibbs. I'm on LinkedIn as well. I'm on TikTok. I'm on Snapchat. Check out all of these platforms for daily content, weekly content, more content from Jamel Gibbs. But if you want to get more in depth, go to REI Education Academy. Com. And that's how you can find out more about my training material and how you can get started investing in real estate today. Talk to you later.